Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. He's the chief sports writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. It's Wednesdays with Andrew Webster. Emmanuel Lewis, a.k.a. Webster. Good morning to you, my friend. You are the antithesis of Emmanuel Lewis, mind you. I am, aren't I? Uh, good morning, Webster. Good saying? to see you. What are you saying? Good to see you. Because I know my parents. Because <laughs> you can't break dance. <laughs> uh, Is he still uh, going, Emmanuel Lewis? I don't know. I don't know. Let me just see. Let's yeah, Google, Google that. that. I yeah, people, I... love, people love it listening while I Google. Is he Emmanuel uh, you know, that that's one of these rare instances where Gary Colmer had a surprise height advantage. Is he still yeah. going? Oh, yeah, he no, is. he's gone. Yeah. Is, he, is he? Yeah, he's left. He's uh, shuffled Lew- off the mortared coil. Mortal uh, coil has Gary Coleman. Emmanuel Lewis is presently alive. Okay. How he's, old is he now? He's 51. Is he? Height, 1.3 metres. 1.3. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, he's the sort of guy that comes into the game once the forwards start to tire. That sort of bloke. <laughs> Emmanuel Lewis. <laughs> uh, I think with the new six to go rule, he's really mm. uh, really flourished in the last couple well, of seasons. Well, it's funny you heard Matty Rogers is a new acquisition to the NBN. NBN. What is wrong with me today? SEN Stable. And, and he NBN. talked about... Yes. Uh, mine's flaking out at home at the moment, by the way. Mm. And, and he talked about playing under-19 schoolboys and, and he was playing scrum half and Jonah was playing number eight, so lock. And he said Jonah would run at him. And he was a 60 kilos ringy wet back of the day. Yeah. Matty Rogers. I heard him talking to Vossi mm. and, and Maggie. That was very interesting what he said about the whole idea. For that reason, like if you bring in the tackle around yeah. uh, from the waist down, silly, silly rule. Okay. Well, I mean, we could dedicate a whole program to that. Now, before we get to rugby league and all other stuff in sport, this was the news, Webby, that broke yesterday just as we came off air about Peter Bolt, the Australian runner, provisional suspension for testing positive to... EPA has been lifted effective immediately after a test of his B sample uh, did not confirm the A sample result. Now, it's funny. We, we think about the semantics and the language surrounding this. as It's technically not a negative result, and we believe that the B sample will be tested again in another lab. But at this point in time, it appears that he's been exonerated. He's had his provisional ban lifted. I don't think that's the end of it, though. No. Um, other athletes have been done even though a, 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 a B sample hasn't confirmed the A sample. I suppose the issue at the moment, and it seems what the listeners are mostly concerned about, is the fact that it got leaked. Now, these things usually, in my experience, get leaked for the, for the fact that it is handled by so many different agencies, from Sport Integrity Australia to ASADA, which falls under the SIA uh, umbrella, um, and then, then the AFP get involved as well because it's such a, it's a banned and illegal substance. And then you have the sports as well. I, I know that a caller um, in Vossi's show suggested that it was because Athletics Australia were trying to mitigate any embarrassment around him being possibly named Young Australian of the Year or possibly I think he was the short price favourite to be named Young Australian of the Year. When, when that story broke, I, there was certainly that belief amongst... Peter Bowles camp and people within Athletics Australia. So I don't think it's a cons- it's more than just a conspiracy theory. I think it was certainly at play. Um, 
Uh, he's said to be looking at legal action. I don't think he's going to say any more about it, having spoken to his management earlier today. I think he's just keen to get on with it. But the story's not dead, and you're right. The B sample, people are talking about, well, why doesn't it get done straight away? Well, because the B sample gets done at another lab, and it also goes through five different tests. I just spoke to a sports lawyer, mate of mine, who's very much across this, and he said that it, you know these things just don't get rushed. So it's been three weeks um, since uh, the A sample came out. So I, I don't I, – look, I think the fact that it got leaked is the problem, but okay. the process um, isn't necessarily, you know, at, at fault. So it was, never an, it was never a case of being able to expedite the process to finalise or, or find a result of the B sample prior to the Australia Day honours, effectively. Although yeah, I think the A sample only came out six days before. Yeah. Well, the B sample, it's what they call an ATF. That's an atypical finding for EPO. So Sport Integrity Australia said it did require further investigation as per WADA rules. So, And there are pains to say an ATF is not the same as a negative test result. So the result, the investigation rather, is ongoing. I was stunned when this came through. I don't know about you. I was fearing the worst. I thought, I love Peter Boland and please, please don't be true. But you know, the numbers, history was always going to be against him. But here we are. Well, I think the first sample was borderline, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what that's how they described it, borderline. Um, it's a very, very it's a it's 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 an exact science too when it comes to doping, and particularly when it comes to EPO. Um, I was the same because he's such a great story, mm. Peter. He was allegedly going to become be named Young Australian of the Year. So uh, I think more than just sports fans have been in love with his his story, particularly since Tokyo. Last year, so yeah, uh, let's hope. Um, let's hope that uh, that he gets cleared and continues to to run for Australia. Well, his US-based lawyer Paul Green spoke today and said this provisional suspension should never have been made public, Andrew. You can say well it was leaked, but there has to be an inquiry into how it leaked, and people need to be held to account. Put putting your, your journo's hat, mm. if, you know, if this comes to you, are you printing it? Well, you have to. It's yeah. fact, for sure. Mm. But that's. If it's fact and he's and he's returned an A sample, but again, it comes down to how it got leaked. Um, and as I said, it's because it's because across so many different different bodies, there's always that potential for it to happen. But I've got no doubt that there was that that was the reasoning because of his potential uh, Australian of the Year candidacy. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. See, Fitzy said, why do they release any information before the B sample has been tested? Well, back to your point. Andrew? They don't Did release you? it. It just it got it leaked. It leaked. Yeah. Um, this was discussed with James and Vossi this morning. When it comes to doping in sport, you're always finding an uphill battle, fighting an uphill battle. So in that respect, like the, cheating and doping seems to be two steps ahead at any given time of drug testing. Do you just wave the white flag and say, free for all, no. let him go? No, not at all. Do you want someone dying in the middle mm. of the track? Well, this at is the, the thing, Paris right? Olympics, yeah, because they've juiced up too much. I think that's a really. I don't. I hate that that argument because then we're not watching sport. We're watching the results of whatever you know a, a scientist has come up with. Yeah. So I just don't think that's realistic at all. I do think because in, in the case of what's happened with Shane to Jack and and possibly with what's happened with Peter Bowl, um, I think there's a real. It, it, you're right. For, for so many decades, the drug cheats, and more importantly, the uh, those who, the, the scientists who came up with the doping were miles ahead of um, those who were testing for it. 
but I do think there needs to be some greater uh, stringency around, particularly the ones like Shana Jack, um, and, and even the early leaking of Peter Bowles' sample. Like, I mean, you've got people's lives and integrity mm. and careers at at play. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to uh, if you're going to finger someone as a drug cheat, you want to be pretty bloody sure of it. And the, and and it seems like the presumption of innocence. Is it seems to be the other way around? Yeah, with with athletes these days, and unfortunately for the likes of Shannon Jack or Peter Bowler, this instance, a lot of that mud sticks. Yeah, a lot of that mud sticks. It does. Can you imagine somebody who had a few too many start to sledging? Oh, you you're drug cheat. Yeah, and we've seen that in rugby league. You know, with the Sharks or in the AFL with Essendon. I mean, it's it can tarnish reputations forever, forever. It did. Well, the Asada thing. Well, it's only last week was it the ten year anniversary of it. Like I remember covering all that in great detail, Julian, and the way that that clubs and players were basically railroaded into guilt long before any um, any uh, evidence was presented was pretty poor. Mm. Like, I, like I, I was one of the many columnists at the time who was very uh, critical of Asada and the way that they went about it, and the, and, and just the fact that they announced remember the blackest day in Australian sport and they hold the held the press conference down there in Canberra and it was all about trying to stop athletes from cheating before they they cheated which but in the process it basically tarred entire codes mm. entire it links club. to crime gangs and, and organized know. crime so and you it think went, it never and, ran that deep well it never went yeah. well well it got proven it yeah. never went that far you know in the end there they got a bunch of Cronulla players who um who were acting on the instructions of support staff and coaching staff um, and, and, and weren't even aware of what they were putting into their bodies. And a bit further to that, they, if they pursued the legal avenue, it would have put them out of pocket. So they arranged, came to an arrangement and said, you know what, we'll agree to sit out for X number of games. Well, Cronulla were yeah. two matches, so yeah. they, and that, this yeah. season was basically over anyway. Yeah. Yeah, who was it? Was Richard Ings, I think, that said that. The blackest day, yeah, yeah, Richard yeah. Ings. He, um, Which I believe he did then wind back or regret saying it. He, he said it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you talk when you're a talking head, like Richard Ings is. Think about just just back to Peter Bowl and that B sample. What does it say about testing procedures in this country that the A sample could come back with the result that it did? Well, I think, but it was it was a borderline level. So they test these things on level, and they're only staying in your body for a small amount of time. So. I don't know. I'm not a scientist on this, yes. Julian. Synthetic EPO, that was it. The drug of choice for all the cyclists. Of, As, course, of course it was. But yeah. that's the thing, though. I don't think it's been established whether exactly... Like, I just think, it's, I just think his level, his EPO level was was high. Yeah. Uh, Lance was big on the EPO. Yes. He was big on the, the fake penises as well. He was big on a few things. Yeah, Lance. And making other people take the EPO. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. Well, that was the whole part of it, wasn't it? He was coercing team members and young team members into into doping, that was probably the worst part of the whole thing, that he was getting others to do it. So I think, I think the takeaway out of all this is don't do drugs, they are bad for you. Yeah. Say no to drugs. It's, I vaguely recall it, there was a, a survey done of Olympic runners quite some time ago, and it was put to them, you know, if you won an Olympic medal but it meant you died at the age of <laughs> 35 or 40, for example, would you take it? And the majority said yes. Oh, yeah. The majority said yes. Which goes back to the, the question I asked, and you said you hate this this argument or this suggestion, uh, do we just clear the decks, let everybody dope if they need to, because they dope anyway, we can't catch them. So, you know, put it out in public. 
if they, as he said, you don't want them dying on the track in Paris, but it shows the mentality of an elite athlete that they'll do almost anything within their power to win. They will. Mm. They will. But I don't think that's, I think that's a little bit too broad. I don't think every athlete would be like that. Do you think? I missed that because 2am Tommy was in my ear. Please do you repeat. Think, I, but I don't think they're all going to be. Tommy, shut up. We're trying to do some live. <laughs> we're trying to do some radio here. And what amazing radio it is, I have to say. Yes, but but I, I don't think, but I, I honestly think there has been a real change in the um, attitudes towards towards doping, for sure. Because I don't think you've ever been closer to getting caught than what you have now. Mm. It's just fascinating to see certain athletes take the moral high ground on these issues. you just got to be careful in that respect. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 0457 Still plenty to talk about. Uh, the Super Bowl, and I get your thoughts on that. I know your article, we mentioned it on the program yesterday, and a few people are saying, ah, oh, yeah, Super Bowl, <laughs> snooze fest. I disagree. I know you disagree. Mornings with Jules and the chair for Matty White. It's Wednesdays with Webby. Good morning, everyone. Jules in the chair for Matty White today and tomorrow. Wednesdays, of course, means Wednesday with Webby. He's here in the studio with me. Now, Webby, uh, Super Bowl LVII, that's uh, 57 mm. for the layman. Your thoughts, your experience, uh, unfortunately for Australians, uh, another Super Bowl appearance without a ring for Jordan Mylata and Aaron Sipos. But as far as deciders go, it was one of the better games I've witnessed in recent times. Unbelievable match. Cracking game. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, what can I say about Super Bowl? I do. The details are vague from from Monday. <laughs> Any excuse from, to after yeah, I filed blow the froth off from I, ten a.m. After, my well, bit, yeah. I was filing, so I went. I went. Mid strengths. I, I was You're very very disciplined. Good man. And then I filed my copy. Yeah. And then celebrated the end of the NFL season. Who were you going for, by the way? Oh, I was cheering for Philadelphia because yeah, I wanted Milada to yeah. to um to win. Aaron Sipos didn't have the greatest. He had two kicks and the second one, he's getting carpeted over the uh, the second kick, isn't he? Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, they should have stopped Tony on that 65-yard run. You know, they, you can't hang it entirely on Sipos. It wasn't the best kick. It was, what, 37-yard shank. But I hope they don't hang the bloke for that. As well, the reason like they, they, are. they lot, lost. I think you know. a lot of the Philadelphia fans are. <laughs> they are they feral, do like, aren't they? They oh. do like to hang. They are feral. Did you see the, the footage circulating on social media uh, of that controversial holding call? And this mm. is super. And the dude got so angry, he just smashed his television, ripped it off the wall. <laughs> now no. they don't know what the end result's going to be. I thought it was an, it was an incredible match. So, but the thing that stood out for me was, and it just sums up, like the whole season went straight right to the last nanosecond, and McKinnon stopping short. He did a Frank Costanza. Mm. He stopped short, <laughs> and, and didn't score the touchdown for so he could wind down the clock. Just to me, shows the incredible game of chess that yeah. American football really is. Mathematics and analytics and the rest of it. And, and for the layman, they go, well, hang on, what? why would you do that? Mm. Why would you stop short of the, you know, for want of a better term, try line? Because then that would give... The try line. The try line. It's try time. The end zone. Thank you. Um, because then that would give the Eagles plenty of time to get down the field and potentially equalise. So, yeah. yeah. So th- then they, they gamble on their punter actually making the kick. And he can shank a few. Yes. Um, what's his name? Buckley? Or I forgot his name. Bucko. Um, okay, yeah. I, uh, I I thought it was um, Malata had a had a really strong game. I thought it was interesting that they were complaining about the playing surface after the match as well. So they'd spent they'd spent the best part of eight to ten months preparing the grass yeah. specifically for that game, and all the players were complaining about just how slippery it was in a stadium with a roof on it. 
Should have had the long during, studs on. During the biggest... Well, they, well I think Jalen Hurts did. He did have the long studs. You know, well, no, he okay. had to go change his uh-huh. cleats mm. uh, midway through the game or early in the game. And, and and Malata was saying how you just couldn't you couldn't start off on your toes. You had to have your feet flat on the ground um, before the uh, before the snap. Otherwise, you'd slip over. But look, I mean, they I think Hurts Hurts can attribute a couple of his touchdowns to, or at least one of his touchdowns to Malata's blocking. And I still think no matter what's happened, it's it's still an incredible story what John Malata's done um, from a bloke who was on offered five thousand dollars. To play for North Sydney, saying no to it, and then appearing in a Super Bowl. And I read your article saying he had to put on weight, get the gut, and just build up his gut. body mass. And how good is that? You get paid to basically eat. Exactly. Yeah, that's really not bad, is it? Yeah. Yeah. When you turn up, you said you need you need a gut. <laughs> Imagine telling Jordan Malata, "You're not big enough, foul." Isn't that incredible? Yeah, incredible. No, Wonderful it's been, story. It's been, though, it's, been a, it's um, the but I, I wrote this on on Monday about how the NFL's rise. And I wrote, it was a cheeky headline saying that it's, you know, the new Melbourne Cup. Mm. For under-25s, there is certainly something more palatable to, for those, that demographic, to go and watch American football on a Monday than to go and watch a Melbourne Cup on the first Tuesday in November. The Cup is losing its luster, I think. It certainly is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just that. You talked about the viewing numbers in Australia, but the NFL Game Pass subscriptions are rising exponentially. Exponential. Through the roof. Yeah. Yeah, it just gets stronger and stronger every year. It's, um, yeah, I know, I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea, but uh, it's, there's certainly, and I was, talk, I was talking to, um, I might say the exec, chief executive from another sport I was talking to about this, but they said that the, the thing is that the whole, the staples of cricket and NFL and AFL and rugby union, those laws don't apply anymore because, Unlike our generation, where you could only really watch... That's all we had. That's all yeah. we had. But because of game passes in all these other sports and because of uh, ES, you get a, everything on ESPN here, they're open up to a new demographic and of I wanted, everything. And I wanted to then, if NFL talent scouts see now Australia or Australia New Zealand, that sort of Oceania region, as another conduit of talent into the game. Well, they've right. had that international pathways. Yeah. Uh, set up for a few years. I, I, I've been over to a Super Bowl. The last one I went was over over covering in Atlanta, and I remember I flew down to uh, Florida to uh, oh God, what's his name? Going blank. Valentine Holmes. Remember mm. him? <laughs> remember when he was trying? He yes. was trying. He was trying out, and but yeah. it was it was hard. And I had athletes from all over yeah. from all over the world, mostly rugby union players. Um, but it was the the testing that they were going through was pretty heavy. It's like twelve hours a day, and half of it's on the field, and the other half is is theory, trying to learn learn the game. Now, whether Valentine Holmes was ever any chance of making the NFL is debatable. Whether he was just sitting out um, a year so he could go and leave Cronulla and go to uh, to the Cowboys that was the the conspiracy theory. But uh, the, the 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 world is um, the world is getting bigger. Malata is an example of, of what is possible because before we felt that if any Australian was going to succeed in NFL football, it was going to be as a punter. You know, you think about Ben Graham and Michael Dixon and, and Darren Bennett back in the day and, and, and a handful of others. Because I always made the point, Webby, that I said, if, if you're looking for a good punter, I'd be scouring the AFL ranks because they can boot it far, good hang time, but they distribute the ball quickly. They get rid of it quickly. And we've seen the setup of these pro kick academies, but now it's not just a game for punters. No, no, no. Yeah. Like it, it, there's, 
there's great athletes in um, in different Australian sports. So I reckon they'll definitely look at more. Yeah, you know, look, everyone looks at Jared Jared Hayne and and his what he did there at San, San Francisco. And that was incredible for him to play, even just a couple a handful yeah. of matches. Like it was just to be. Just to get onto the roster was an achievement in itself. So what what Jordan's done in a small amount of time, I thought it was really interesting in all his media where he said it's only he's only just started to actually enjoy the game in the last two years. Wow. Wow. And he did say, and you mentioned this in your article, that it's it's a lot more complex than rugby league. It's a harder game to play. Yeah, that was his comment. Yeah, yeah he, he got asked that all through um, through all his media throughout the week. You know, what's transfer? Like the American journos were were fascinated with what transferred over and he said none of it. Wow. None of it because it's just a completely different sport. And the, the, the subtleties of, of – like the thing is with the NFL, all of this is like filmed. You can go there and watch like analysis, game pass analysis on on left tackle blocking, you know, for hours if you want to. And I did a little bit of that <laughs> last <laughs> week trying, that trying, trying, to, trying to understand oh. the role that Jordan plays. And it's just so much more yeah. technical about, you know, trying to get a, a, a leverage in there underneath the, the defender's armpit to try and make sure you can block him but not hold him. But you can are holding him, but you don't want people to – or the referees to see that you are holding him so you'll get a penalty. It's very, very tricky. Yeah, I find it so fascinating how data-driven American sport is. I venture to say, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I reckon he'll say the playing surface at Red Ferns a bit better than what we saw in Phoenix, Arizona. Ooh. Oh. Controversy. Controversy. 0457 736 736. Wednesdays with Webby. Let's get the news headlines. Uh, Andrew Webster is in the chair this Wednesday morning. Jules in the chair for Matty White. 0457 736 736. The open line number as well. 1300 01 1170. Uh, Webby, rugby mm. league season 2023 is upon us. The trial action over the weekend. How many players do you think were out there? Go, gee, I better get an offload here for some bonus points. <laughs> I bet you they weren't under instruction. Mm. I bet you they were under instruction not to pass the ball. <laughs> right. I don't think I don't think the coaches care whether they win the no uh, preseason challenge. Anyone? Roy Masters, uh, Roy Masters wrote a great column uh, in the Herald a couple of days ago, saying look, at the the NRL are trying to promote um, offloads and you know an exciting, expansive football, whereas at this time of year, coaches are trying to drill into their players' discipline and holding on to the ball. Correct. So. I don't think um, the lure of a hundred thousand dollar prize money for a two week tournament is really hasn't really captured the hearts and minds of the rugby league uh, community. I have to say though, it's been great to have it back. Yeah, and televised as well. The heat's mm. an issue though. That's a big issue. It's hot, but yeah, hot in February. Yeah, it does. Mm, funny as, though, as though sort of this is a new discovery. Are they? They're shifting the start time of. Um, Penrith and Helens. I think they are supposed to be putting it back, yeah. Mm. Not because of industrial action from the RLP either. No, not at all, because St. Helens are so used to 30-plus degree weather at the foot of the mountain. (laughs) Well, this is the thing. I mean, you and I are draggers. Oh, the draggers, judging that performance, are going to be lesser. They've had a bunch of SG ball players against a full-strength St. Helens team. So did every other team. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think... How often can you judge trial form? Well, I mean, a lot of people jumped on the Dragons' charity shield form last year, so they're looking they're looking sharp. How good was Jack Bird? Tyrell Sloan's a star. They're going to be the top eight. And then, well, they weren't far from it in the end. Uh, your colleague, the Russian, Prashenko, Valentine's Day deal for women's game raises hopes of an end to the NRL paywall. So it looks like they have, both parties, have come to an agreement with regards to the conditions around the women's game. Finally, mm. it's only, what, mid-February. We've got uh, the women's CBA finalised. Hopefully we get the men's CBA finalised. A pretty pretty uh, hostile talk between the RLPA or from the RLPA about the NRL last week. Remember they were talking about 
uh, delaying the start of trial matches. Covering up the badge. Mm. Yeah. They backed away from that, though. No. So they sort of called their own bluff. Well, early the, on. Uh, is it's it's the, the only ace they're holding, right, is strike action. And let's be honest, they're not going to do it because if they do, they won't get paid. Yeah, that, oh, I said so, it on this show last week. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how many uh, of those players understand that if you go on strike, you don't get paid. I've been on strike for a week. Mm. You notice it. Yes. You notice it in the yep. pay packet when it uh, when it comes down in a couple of weeks' time. I'm assuming this will get sorted. And look, even if they even if they haven't uh, got a CBA in place, I've, I, I would be surprised if they didn't play anyway. To be perfectly honest, it's happened before, mm. um, but it's that hostile rhetoric from the RLPA and Clint, Clint Newton has always said that he's not the one that's driven the idea of strike action. It's um, it's the players who want to do it, but they've they balked or called their own bluff at the first uh, sign of some sort of industrial action last weekend with the trials on the advice of the clubs yeah. who said don't even think about it. So I can't see them going ahead with strike action. Um, by the start of the se- but time's running out. <laughs> I mean, the start of the season's only a couple of weeks yeah. away. They'd want to hurry up and get it done. Otherwise, they're going to look pretty foolish after waving the idea of strike action and then not going ahead with it. The Dolphins got a few viewers for that game, 6 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Wayne Bennett missed the first trial match against the Cowboys. Some people have criticised the super coach. For Oops. This. I don't know. Um, you've been writing a book about the great Uncle Wayne. Uh, your thoughts? Look, I have, to, I have to say, when I when it happened, I realised that on Sunday, I thought it was quite bizarre. Like the I first know, official sort of outing. Exactly. And it, look, it's, he's, he did it before when he was at the Broncos, but he'd been at the Broncos the first for 21 years. So, And it was hardly, you know, it was hardly surprising um, because it was a trial, trial match. But I would have thought for the first sort of official match. But then he explained quite, I thought it was a really fair enough explanation the next day when he said that he was, um, that they had issues with flights and he had a very early training session with the bigger names that weren't Mm. playing in that trial against the Cowboys. So uh, I've been talking to Wayne quite a lot, as you know, I've been writing that book on him or allegedly writing that book on him. And he seems quite bemused. He said it publicly a few times now, so I'm not sort of talking out of school, but he seemed not bemused, but he seems... um, quite su- surprised at how many people are riding off him and the Dolphins, given his record and given some of the players in that team. I thought the Dolphins actually looked quite good against the Cows. Well, let's, I think let's, their defence was pretty strong. Let's get your fearless prediction. They are wooden spoon favourites with the bookies, uh, the Dolphins. Yeah, but it, you'd be stunned if a Wayne Bennett coach team ever came last. Not saying they're top eight material, but on paper, if uh, the depth is questionable, absolutely, but... It's not the worst football team. It's a it's complete. Not at all. It's a, a very handy, a very serviceable footy side. And that will that will defend till the end of the day. I don't know if that's a cliche, but it is I'm now. Just, it is now. I defended. We're getting the end t-shirts of the day. made up for that now, Webby. Yeah. Just oh, listeners out there, just defend till the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. The creed. Yeah, you do it for forty by. minutes. Have a break. Do it again for another forty. <laughs> and do it till the end of the day. Thank you. Bro. Um, like I, I, you looked at the way a player like Ray Stone played. On Sunday, that's yeah. exactly the archetypal player that Bennett wanted mm. in his side. But it's 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 a fascinating story, isn't it? Like he's a play, he's a coach that's always, with the exception of probably the Newcastle days, had some pretty strong teams at his disposal. And just what he can do in the first couple of years of that club is going to be very interesting. I think it's more interesting what he's going to do in terms of his own future at the end of the next two years. Heading over to Christian Wolf, of course. The, uh, You'd assume so, and then what? 
Then what does he do? He doesn't he, strike me as the sort that would just kick back into retirement. Not and not anyone, including his his closest family members, yeah. think that he'll retire. Mm. He, that he'll he'll give it up in a hurry. But it's um it is turning into a bit of a, a Wayne uh, saga already, isn't it? The whole um the whole Dolphins story. So it should be good when it gets underway. Craig Fitzgibbon, a uh, vote of confidence. They're going all in on Fitzy as the coach. Resigned till twenty twenty seven. So only coached him for a year. Pretty successful Big first season. It was. So the thing with Fitzy is, and it's a little bit like a lot like all these professional assistant coaches, the the there was always talk that Craig Fitzgibbon was the next big coach. And but there was certainly um not so much concerns, but there was question marks from from enough people about whether he could make the transition from assistant coach to NRL coach. And he did it very, very well. But in his first season. Um, but there's other coaches who who have struggled since um, you know they've had big raps on them as assistant coaches, but when they've when they've uh, when they've had to take on the big role, they fade into obscurity straight away. So, Adam O'Brien would be an example. Well, I mean, he's under enormous pressure. Yep. There's, 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 everyone's talking about Anthony Griffin being under the hammer. I, I, I think um, I think Adam O'Brien's under more pressure than anybody to to get results in the at the first sort of two months of the season to keep his job for sure but Fitzy as I said as as bucked that trend um it seems to be the new trend too in rugby league now where you get ahead of the curve and dismiss any speculation about your coach's future by signing them before the season starts um so it's a big vote of confidence in Craig Fitzgibbon from Cronulla. It's it's a bit of a no-brainer I think mm. I'm more puzzled by the Kevin Walters one I was just going to ask you about that you know, you talk about the coaches whose heads are on the chopping block this year. You mentioned Griffin, you mentioned O'Brien, Holbrook, I imagine another, and Kevy Walters. Yeah. Uh, so, and further to that, I mean, <coughs> in the context of Gamble's comments, of Cobbo's comments, it would seem that something is rotten there at Red Hill. No, rotten is the word, but there's yeah, certainly, okay. There's certainly there's certainly some issues. <laughs> there's certainly some issues. Um, and disconnect between the playing group and the coaching staff, for sure. So if they, I, I if was, they have a wretched year, Brisbane, mm. then what are they going to do? Well, have they, to they punt him early. Yeah, but uh, so. but this is the thing, though. I, I think a lot of a lot of clubs, and we saw it with uh, the Dragons and um, and Griffin. We saw it with Parramatta as well with Brad Arthur, where they get ahead of the curve and try and they think they're going to eliminate speculation about the coach's future by re-signing him before the season starts. Then, if things start to go pear shaped, then the speculation is going to be there anyway. Mm. I, I dare say, with Walters, if like these other contracts that are done in advance, there'd be get out clauses for a, a cheaper payout if they need to terminate early. But I don't think just by re signing Kevin Walters, it takes the heat off either him or the Broncos board um, if things start going south early on in the season. So, yeah, there's some coaches under the hammer very early. Remember the Dragons extended Steve Price on Anzac Day? Yes. He had two or three wins in a row. He's our man. He's back. Pricey. He, we're back. He's a great assistant. Sorry? He was a great assistant. He was a great still assistant. Still is a great assistant. <laughs> he still he was. Steve Price. <laughs> 0457 736 736. Uh, are we saying goodbye already? Yes. Are we done? Oh, can me, I man. get one more thought before we go? Sure. Then? Uh, Appy Coruscant, are you happy with him being named Tigers captain? Well, I think it's, it says a lot that they voted him in. Mm. Very popular there straight away. If I'm a Tigers fan, right, because you know all this speculation about you know, will they, won't they, Isaiah Papali was in two minds about his commitment to the Tigers. Appy goes, no, no, 
sign a contract, I'll be there. As a fan, I'm thinking that's what I want to hear. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Well, you yeah. also signed a big, big fat contract. This so. is true. This is very yeah. true. I know. And it's, did confess it's funny that in the grand final celebrations that he's most likely not going to win a premiership there at Leichhardt slash Campbelltown. What do you do? You make him captain. Mm. Um, oh, it's all to be seen with the Tigers. I, like, there's a lot of lot of they've had more positive press in the last two months than they have in the last ten years, and everyone's talking them up. I just hope it's not a spectacular. They don't crash and burn. Flop. They couldn't be worse. They, they can't be worse than last. I have a sort of face plant. I just think it's, you know, they've got three club legends in there to turn things around. If it doesn't turn around, then those bloody journos will be after them, Jules. And they'll have Moses in 2024. Moses is coming. Is he? I don't know. You tell me. Why are you winking know. at? Why are you winking at me, Andrew? I'm Webster? not. Going. <laughs> Yeah, not over that. <laughs> Thank you, Webby. No, we'll catch you at work in the City Morning Herald. Andrew Webster of Breaking Back with more.